This is the official home of the What's Going On podcast, where a guest and I will discuss the most topical news stories from the footballing world. I'm your host, Elliot Stockdale, and in each episode, I'll guard you through with stats, expertise and insight. Joining me today, I have Ben Smedley, the Liverpool fanatic and Twitter superstar who has a host of opinions that he is keen to share. We discuss the rise in COVID cases, Manchester United's rise to the top and Sheffield United rising back from the dead. Make sure to follow the podcast on Spotify for regular shows and my Twitter, EJ Stockdale, for any updates and information. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Spotify. Uh, we're relaunching myself and Mr. Ben Smedley. Um, but since we've been away, let's just have a quick catch up, really. I've done nothing. Um, my life has been pretty much bog standard and non existent. However, Ben has turned into uh, a Twitter celebrity. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I, Ben? Uh, yeah, but. Um... A couple of your friends are going to get triggered by saying that. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it was unintentional. Um, one day, uh, we know this guy that somehow manages to get the team news. Pretty much, it, there's been a couple of times where it's been a bit dodgy, but most of the time it's usually pretty spot on. And I just started tweeting it out and the followers have come in and now I'm on 5.4k. And you know what? I learned from my mistakes and if I don't see it come from this guy, I don't tweet anything, so... There we go. Yeah, I'll I'll leave. Um, I was about to say a link in the description. I won't be able um, to now because this say, is Spotify. To be, fair, to be fair, I would say, unless you're a Liverpool fan, don't bother following me. <laughs> I don't follow him. To be fair, uh, what what is your Twitter, man? Um, you can you can SMX LFC. There you go, SMX LFC. If you want to follow it, um, it should be a the link on on Spotify. Uh, but but there you go. So. I thought we'd just introduce that. Uh, you know, it's nice to have an actual celebrity on the podcast um, because that's what you are. But it, during our time away, a lot has happened in mm. the footballing world, a lot. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm really surprised that football's still going ahead, which yeah. brings me on brilliantly to my first point, which is, should the season be stopped? Now, this week, uh, it's the 13th of January at the time of recording, there's been 36 new cases in the Premier League. That's dropped from four from last week. It was 40. But when football actually stopped last time round, uh, when the first lockdown came, which was on the 23rd of March, 2020, scary how close that's going to come up to a year. But since then, uh, on the 23rd of March, there was 2,335 cases. On the 8th of Jan, which was five days ago, there was 68,053 coronavirus cases in the UK. The Premier League, all football was stopped in March when there was only two and a half thousand. Now there's nearly 70k cases a day. Football's not being stopped. Loads of games are being postponed. Yeah, everyone saw what happened with Aston Villa against Liverpool, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute. Uh, Derby, they had to field their under 23s and under 18s against Chorley in their FA Cup. Sheffield Wednesday today have postponed two more games. Um, again, today was meant to be taking place between Tottenham and Villa. That's now Tottenham and Fulham. Fulham have had to prepare, you know, with two days notice for that game. So many games have been postponed. So many games have been cancelled. There's so many more COVID cases. So should football be stopped? And if so, 
what happens? I don't actually think it should be stopped, personally. Um, I feel like we've done a good enough job, and to the FA and Premier League's credit, we saw it through the last, the first lockdown, actually, because it kind of you kind of don't realise that we're in our third lockdown. But the first lockdown we came through, they sort of um, the captains and that pushed together to for the project restart, and that was brilliantly led by you know Jordan Henderson and a couple of the other captains. I don't actually know who they all were. I think Harry Kane maybe had something to do with it, um, and they really did show that football can still be played in a completely safe manner. You know with you know, regular testing. I think they tested twice a week at the minute. Premier League players, that is. I know all the other divisions, it's a bit different because it's all about money. But um, yeah, I think we we clearly showed how we can manage it. I'm, I'm, I must emphasise, I'm strictly talking about the Premier League because I know, um, you know, further down the football pyramid, it does get harder and I fully understand that. Um, there's been a significant rise in cases, I feel, over the Premier League from this Christmas period. So obviously we... We're allowed to, and whatever your opinion on this is, by the way, that's up to you, but we were allowed to mix with uh, our families and stuff on one day, which was Christmas. It was supposed to be a few days, but on Christmas Day, uh, basically everyone was allowed to go to someone's house for the day or whatever. And obviously the Premier League players did exactly the same. Um, and I feel like that's a big factor to the big rise after Christmas in the cases. Um, what I would say and what I would suggest is that we do have a little mini break, like a two-week winter break just to let the current cases, the players that have got it, the staff that have got it, to just kind of let it go, let it get out of the system. And then they're fully recovered um, after that two-week period. So maybe, I don't know, they go back into isolation, they don't train or whatever. But I'm not sure what it would look like, but I feel like just cancelling it, you know, it didn't happen last year, last season. I don't think it should happen this season either. And I know a lot of Liverpool fans will be saying jokingly, and I'm one of them, I must admit, null and void, null and void, null and void, just like everyone said last season. But I don't think it should be cancelled because football is our fix at the end of the day. Like It's what we, we turn to and without football, I don't really know what I'd do, what I'd watch at the minute. So, yeah, you can probably add to that. Well, I'm in full agreement. I don't think the season should be cancelled. Uh, I was quite a big advocate of it being cancelled last season. Um, yeah. And that's because in the first lockdown, you know, things were really tough and, you know, no one really knew what was going on. So at the time I was saying it should be cancelled, this season, we've got vaccines rolling out. Um, you know, my dad uh, took his vaccine. He's in America, but he had his vaccine uh, yesterday. Um, we, we both know a couple of people that have had some of their vaccines today, and it's being rolled out continuously. Um, so while I don't think it should be null and voided, I don't think it should be completely cancelled. I completely agree with you, actually, which is, is a first. That's, that's a first. Um, but yeah, I think the season, it should just be stopped for, for a little bit. I think it should just a two, three week break. But if that happens, then I don't know what happens with the fixture congestion, which is the worry because the Euros, the Euros is going ahead. The Champions League and Europa League, that's still happening. Um, whereas last season that didn't. So when the season was stopped, they cancelled the Euros, they cancelled the Olympics. They, um, you know, the Champions League and Europa League, that was uh, shunted to the end of the season and played on a different format. Whereas... In the situation we're in now, the Euros are still happening. The Olympics are still happening. And I'll be amazed if they get cancelled again, there's no way they're going to happen properly. It will just be, they'll be cancelled full stop. And the damage that's going to do to the economy of the countries that were hosting in the Euros and the country, I don't know who was hosting the Olympics, but the damage that will do to the economy 
is ridiculous. So I can't see that being cancelled, which means I can't see football being postponed even for two or three weeks. That being said, a new strain of coronavirus has just been discovered today in Brazil. <laughs> so, yes. so who knows, really? Um, but I just thought it's a really topical discussion for us to start off with. Me and you don't have the answers. And to be honest, I'm quite glad that we don't work at the FA or in the <laughs> governments or at FIFA, UEFA. Because the job that they've got to do here is incredibly tough. Everyone scrutinised them, and rightly so at times, for some of the mistakes they've been making. But I'm glad I'm not one, the one that sat there having to make these decisions with football for the coming weeks. Because the point, yeah. the point, sorry, the point about you pushing stuff back, and you know, I had that down as well, but I didn't say for some reason. I feel like we saw in the FA Cup how it just wasn't an option for Villa and Derby to push those games back. And the FA said, and I've stuck by it, that if a team can field at least 14 players, then the game goes ahead. And obviously both teams had to play a youthful side. And to their full credit, Villa gave us a good game. Um, 17, 18-year-olds gave us a really, really good test. And, you know, whether that's down to the players being naive, I don't know. But it just shows that it's not really an option to just keep pushing things back. Um, The players didn't really get a pre-season at the end of last season. There was sort of like a a four, five, six-week turnaround and then there you go again. There's the the Premier League and then there's internationals on top of that, all money-orientated. So it is a bit of a mess and, yeah, I just don't see things being pushed back. I think they're just going to have to try their hardest to play through it and continue testing and the players just have to be extra careful, unlike some that... I've done silly things, but yeah. that's for a different conversation. Yeah, that, that's a different conversation, really, um, because a lot of the players have been breaking protocol. Mm. Um, mm. But w- one of the biggest things that I've been getting, I, I would honestly say quite annoyed at is, um, and there's been articles released about it today, and even BBC News was slandering Man United for it last night. It's the players celebrating with each other yeah. and hugging each other. Right. Let me get this straight. It's okay for them to run around on a pitch for 90 minutes with 11 other, play, 11 other people, 14 other people, really, including the substitutes, and even more so because it's five substitutes. It's okay for all that to happen, but when they score, you're expecting them to just clap each other from two-metre distance and walk back to halfway. Like, no, if football's happening, they're going to celebrate and they should be allowed yeah. to. And all um, these guys are tested anyway, so what? Are they magically yeah. just going to get COVID during the game? And yeah. that, I don't Ex- understand ex- that. Exactly. No They've tested so many times and Man United deserved to celebrate last night because they went top of the league and mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic for them. Not fantastic for you, obviously, as a Liverpool what a fan. Great segue that was. Flipping, and, uh, mate, that was that was smooth on it. That was smooth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, Man United, they're top of the league. Um yeah. and, well, let this happen. Yeah, for you as a Liverpool fan isn't great, but for me, <laughs> for me. I have slandered Ole Gunnar Solskjaer so much and he got Man United top of the league. For for your defence, right, whenever you've done it, you've been within your right because you don't just do it for no reason. So you wouldn't have slandered them for yesterday because they got the three points. But when you do it, when, for example, when they go to the Europa League after spending God knows how much over the last two years, you know, the manager deserves to be criticised. But equally, like you say, when he gets it right, you have to give credit. And I'm sure we're going to elaborate now. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what, Ollie? I think he's silencing the doubters. I honestly think he is. I think he's proven a point. My worry with him is that he hasn't got the same steel and the same grit and the same winning mentality that some managers have. Um, and that's my main concern with him. Now, I might, again, be, <laughs> I might look back on this at the end of the season. Man United have just won the title. Um, and 
excuse me, if that's the case, then fair play. Um, but I, I look at the um, Man United team now, and I look at the last time they were top of league and won the league, which was under Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, and they had Robin Van Persie. And mm. I, I think The Guardian did an article on this uh, today, um, where they're basically comparing the two teams and saying there's a lot of similarities between them. But the biggest being, both teams depend on one player. Back then it was Robin Van Persie, and now it's Bruno Fernandes. Mm. Now, the only difference really that I see between the two sides is that one has Sir Alex Ferguson in charge, the other one has Oli. Mm. I don't think Oli's tactics are up to scratch. I don't think they're always there, which I think has been proved, uh, proven in, in you know not the Champions League games um, when they went out uh, against RB Leipzig. They literally needed to draw, didn't they? And then yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think they went three 0 down. It's moments like that that worry me with Oli and worry me with Man United, and that's why I don't think they'll be able to win the league. If Bruno Fernandez gets injured. It's game over. It is. I'm very lucky with injuries, and I think that's yeah. what people are forgetting. You look at City; they've lost their biggest threat yeah. in front of goal. Liverpool. Well, th- there's no point in me telling you our injuries. We've had so many, <laughs> and United are yet to have one. And when they yeah. finally get one, they're going to really understand that you had an injury on top of the crisis that the whole country is in right now. It is not a good situation, and yeah. you don't wish injuries on any player. But sometimes you just think, you know what? I'd love them to experience what it's like because yeah. they wouldn't be the same team without them. They've, they've been very fortunate with COVID as well. Whether you want to call it uh, being fortunate or, you know, the club just stay, sticking to the protocols. Yeah, they've not yeah. had, like, Bruno Fernandes out for two weeks with COVID. They've not had uh, Harry Maguire get COVID and take a couple of months to recover from it, like Newcastle have had with Alan St. Maximin and Jamal Lascelles, like Liverpool have had with Mo Salah and, and co. Man United, as you said, they've been very, very lucky. Um, and I feel, again, that has, that's played a huge part in it. But... You know, these things happen. Sometimes you get the rub of the green and you get away with it. And there'll be a lot of Man United fans listening, um, you know, some of our close friends that will be hmm. screaming right now down the, you know, down at Spotify at me well, for for even questioning Oli still, despite the fact they're top. And despite no. the fact that if they win the league, uh, if they if they win the game on Sunday against Liverpool, they'll go six points clear. You can question Oli because their record against the top six this season has been a joke. And for me, if you win the league, you've got to be the best team in the league by an absolute mile. Um, obviously, last season, we I think it was like 10 points or whatever. I can't even remember how much it was in the end. Should have been more. Um, the season before, obviously, it was just by a point, but those two teams were by far the best too. Yeah. This season, that obviously hasn't been a standout favourite for the, the the title is, you know, between the three now. I know Spurs and Leicester were sort of in the picture at the start. But United's record against the top six is an absolute shambles. They drew, I've got it here, they drew 0-0 to Chelsea, drew 0-0 to Man City, lost to Arsenal when Arsenal were in the worst form of their life. Obviously, they got smashed by Tottenham at home. And then they lost 2-0 to City the other night in the cup. So, you know, it's just my look after saying all that, that they're going to come to Anfield, take our own beaten home record and go six points clear. But... As, I, as I'm as we're recording this, as I'm reading it off the screen, the, the record against the top six it needs to change if you're going to win the league. Um, because if you don't beat City, uh, you you know it already gives them an advantage because they look like the only team for me that can go on a run of 10 games in a row, uh, winning really. And I think you're right about um, you're still not convinced on the tactics, on the style, because you look at so many of their games, they've narrowly won. You know, Sheffield United, people say, could potentially be the worst team in the Premier League beating Derby's record. I don't think that's going to happen. But 
they only narrowly beat them 3-2. And it's just games like, so many games they win by one goal. Burnley yesterday, for example. And I'm not saying it's all luck, because obviously they do have a bit of class about them as well. But yeah. when, you know, it's only a matter of time before these teams start actually defending better, before United run out of the goals, before they don't get penalties, before they don't get these set pieces. And you've got to have a consistent way of winning these games. And for me, it's just been they've scraped it by one goal here and one goal there. Let's not mention the amount of decisions and questionable penalties they've got as well, which, again, I'm not saying that's the main reason why they're top. But if you look at, like, the decisions that they've had over VAR, some of them are an absolute joke. How did Luke Shaw not get sent off yesterday? And I know people will say he got the ball first. Doesn't matter. His studs were up. It's gone straight into his leg. It's a red card. End of story. And... Yeah, I just we do have to give Ollie credit for turning it around because there's been plenty of times this season alone where he's looked like he's a dead man mm. walking basically, and that the club would just shortly run out of time. You know, when um, Potts became available, uh, it's always been a matter of time. People thought where he would come to United, and you know, we're just sort of waiting for Ollie to make one more mistake, but that never happened. And now Potts is at PSG, um, so. And also, I said to you earlier about the fact that they, um, sorry, dropped my phone, that they got knocked into the Europa League. Do you know how embarrassing that is? A team that spent like I think they've got over three hundred million pounds net spend in the last few seasons, and they're now in the Europa League, a potential title contender, are in the Europa League. I can't remember a team ever winning the league whilst being in the Europa League. So yeah, United versus Liverpool on Sunday. It's going to go down. I'm confident in my team. I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to put an end to this rut. I think we're going to come out give them what they deserve and put them back uh, in the in their spot, basically. We'll definitely have um, a podcast up, uh, probably Monday, to be honest, because myself yep. and Ben will definitely discuss this uh, Man United-Liverpool game. And I may even get a Man United fan on as well, <laughs> because depending on what the result is, like let's say Liverpool lose, <laughs> Ben will be livid. And that'll just yeah, be pure entertainment. But um, another thing I would say as well that, They've done a good job in taking advantage of a Liverpool and City side that have dropped a lot of points this season. Um, because obviously when the year Leicester won it, they did exactly the same. There was no standout favourite to win the league that season. Everyone was yeah. sort of like a transitional year for a lot of teams and they just steamrolled the, the whole division basically and took it by storm and to their full credit. And is that something United can do potentially? But I just feel that in the end, Man City, if not Liverpool, Man City definitely will turn their season around because they've been a lot better recently. They'll go on a 10-game win streak and then it sort of relies on the other team's consistency. Can anyone match that? Because for me, City are the favourites now to win the league because of their squad, because of the players they've got available. Pep, obviously, is a winner. We know that. So, yeah, it's, still, it's going to be a very, very, very exciting end to the season, I'm pretty sure. It is indeed. Uh, you know, you speak there of the, the favourites for the league being City, potentially still Liverpool. The favourites for relegation are Sheffield United. Um, mm -hmm. And I think really everyone has written them off and everyone's saying they're going to go down. And I'm not saying they're going to stay up. However, they did win a game. <laughs> They've yep. actually won a game. Um, funnily enough, they're, they, their only win of the season so far um, was against Newcastle, which the only win that Derby got, I believe, in their season where they finished on 11 points was against Newcastle, uh, according to the Opsa stats. So you know, there's similarities between the teams. You mentioned earlier you don't think uh, they'll they'll beat the record, but they may yeah. still go down. They're currently yeah. uh, nine points adrift as it stands because Brighton are losing to Man City. 
uh, the second half's about to kick off. But Brighton, um, that they are losing, which means Sheffield United are only nine points adrift. Who scored? That was no one when I came up. Uh, yeah, it's Phil Foden scored, mate. De Bruyne assist. <laughs> So it's good, 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 good for me, FPL. Um, but yeah, there's 20, 20 games still to play in the season. Um, and there's a long way to go yet for, for Sheffield United. But the question I'm just going to pose to you really is they're on five points. They're nine from safety. There's plenty still to play for. I can't do the maths at the top of my head. I think 60 <laughs> points still to play for. Um, can they stay up? I don't think so. Um, last season, obviously, we made a Premier League prediction and I put Sheffield United to finish rock bottom and I looked like an idiot, basically, at the end. Um, I said that they don't have the squad, you know, they don't have the quality within the squad to um, stay up and to even put up a challenge to stay up. I was proved massively wrong. I don't exactly remember where they finished, but I know they were lingering around the top seven or eight for the majority of the season. Um and obviously Chris Wilder massively overachieved with that team and it's showing now that it was a miracle the the things that he he did with that team last season and to his full credit. But I think the recruitment this year has been very, very, very questionable. Obviously they spent, I think it was 18 million on Ramsdale, um, who's made a lot of mistakes this season. Um, and I think that when you lose a, a keeper as good as Dean Henderson, yeah. um, you've got to sign a proven keeper. And I'm not sure who was available for them to go and get, um, but I feel like they needed a leader in that team because surely Sheffield United saw this coming. Um, surely they knew that it wasn't going to be as easy and straightforward this season because it's always that second season, isn't it, when when teams like them come up and they, they manage to stay up. It's always that second season where you think, OK, now they really need to invest in the squad yeah. to make sure that they do it again. And they signed Rian Brewster as well. And as much as he was rated at Liverpool, um, I think I was one of the only people I saw on my Twitter feed, and there was a few of us, to be fair, um, saying that it was good business from us getting rid of him for that much because, let's be honest, he's not at the level yet to to play at that level. I think he could have done with another season in a championship, maybe a full season in championship because he was, what was it, Swansea from January, I think. Yeah. Um, so he, he's not experienced enough to warrant that fee. I don't think not in the Premier League. And yeah, so they're just relying on some of the players that they signed being not up to the task, not being experienced enough to carry them through it. And of course, you know, there's the flip side of that, that they can all get better and they can improve as the season goes on. But I just think that right now um, they could do with a lot more experience, basically. And I know they've got it from the team that Chris Wilder's brought up. And, you know, like I say, I keep saying that he deserves full credit for everything he's done for that team. But... Yeah, I think mm. the main issue here was recruitment last summer. They needed to build on what they had. And I think they've gone slightly backwards with the players they brought in. Yeah. Um, my, I think my problem with Sheffield United, uh, or Sheffield United's problem really, I should say, with uh, this season has been the standout players from last season, such as John Lundstrom, um, they, they've not really been as good. Um, of course, as you've mentioned, they really missed Dean Henderson. Um, you know, the only mistake I can even think of that he did last season for Sheffield United was against yeah. Liverpool. Um, when he let it through his, uh, I think, through his hands from Junior Wijnaldum, I and mean, they lost 1 0. Um, really yeah. unfortunate result. Um, it was a really bad mistake, but that's the only one I can think of. And as you've rightly said, Ramsdale has made a lot of mistakes. He was coming off the back of a, a season that was going to be low in confidence for him because he just went down with Bournemouth. Hmm. So he wasn't high in confidence anyway. I think he's a good keeper, uh, and I think he'll do really well for Sheffield tonight next season. 
in the championship, as will Ryan Brewster. As you said, he needed another season in the championship, which he'll get next season now. And I think... See, yeah. Hang on a minute. You're in agreement, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in full agreement. Um, I think Sheffield United will go down. Um, and to be fair, at the time when Ryan Brewster signed for Sheffield United, I thought, yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah, everyone did. To be yeah, fair. No, I, I thought it's a good deal. He did brilliantly with Swansea. You know me. I'm a, I'm a Forest fan. I watch the Championship week in, week out. He's fantastic, and he was he was brilliant for Swansea. Um, and you know their fans were gutted that they weren't going to get him back. But maybe now, in hindsight, looking back, was he ready for the step up to the Premier League straight away with Sheffield United going probably going into a relegation battle? No. Then I look at um, you know the other players they've got, and yeah, I like Billy Sharp and David McGoldrick and Oliver Burke. But they're not Premier League standard players. They're just not. And, mm. you know, McGoldrick, he's, he's not done badly in the Premier League. You know, he scored a few goals. I think he scored a brace against Man United. But he's not a Premier League quality player. Billy Shop's like 34, 35 now. You know, it, none of those players are Premier League quality. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I think that's the problem that's going to be with West Brom this season when it comes to relegation. A lot of the players they've got aren't Premier League quality. They're sort of in the, what I'd class the Anthony Knockhart uh uh, player sort of base where, and I'm not just saying this because he's a Forest player, but he's not a Championship player, but he's not a Premier League player. He's just in the middle, like he's too good for the Championship, but he's not quite good enough for the Premier. He's for like middle ground, and you know a player like yeah. uh, you know David McGoldrick, I think is I think he should be in that bracket. Um, but I, I think Sheffield United they've got a chance of staying up. They can get a run cool. together. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll get that run together. <laughs> I think they'll probably finish on about 15 points, to be honest. Um, I think it's too little too late from now, even though it's only January. But if Chris Wilder keeps them up, honestly, give him manager of the season. Give him manager of the decade. That would be ridiculous if they stay up. It would be the greatest escape in Premier history. Um, but I'd be very intrigued to see to see where they go. We won't talk about them much on the podcast. Um, but, you know, if they do stay up, we'll, we'll definitely bring it up again. Um, but that's all three points gone through just to settle us back into the podcasting world. So thanks for joining me, Ben. Um, what, what, what's your Twitter again? SMXLFC. SMXLFC. Mine's EJ Stockdale. Uh, you can check them both out. There should be uh, a link on our Spotify page for it. Um, hopefully we'll be back on Sunday or Monday re- reacting to uh, Man United Liverpool. Um Quick prediction, Ben. Three uh, one Liverpool. Okay. <laughs> if, uh, if Liverpool lose now, that's going to be funny. To <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for myself and Ben, thanks for listening. If you got it this far, and if you have, please consider following us on Twitter and, of course, following uh, us on Spotify. But for now, that's all. Thank you very much, uh, and good night and God bless. <laughs>